Hello everyone and welcome to Black, White and In Color. I am your host, Shanoa Alamu. I love discussing topics that get people talking and sharing stories from everyday people. My opinions have been featured on CNN and Huffington Post. So please join me for this week's episode of Black, White and In Color. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Black, White, and In Color. I am your host, Shanoa Alamu. I have a very special guest. I know I always say that, and I know I always mm-hmm. say what I just said, but it is true. I am just so blessed and just amazed at the quality of people um, that I have um, been honored to interview. Um, So this young lady, I feel, is my quote-unquote celebrity exclusive um, because she has uh, graced the stages of some pretty major um, organizations uh, worldwide, I even want to say. And so when I reached out to her, I was completely prepared uh, for her to say, you know what, I don't have time or too busy. And she did say those things, but she did not shut me down completely. And I just, again, I, I cannot stress enough how honored I am to have uh, Miss Akemini Uwan with me. Um, you may have seen her on Instagram or Facebook and other social media platforms. I personally saw her on Instagram um, through her podcast, Truth's Table. So before I get any deeper, I am going to go ahead and just read her bio to, uh, to you. Um, the purpose of this interview is for you to know who she is, what she does, and to bring dignity to her work and her voice. So without further ado, uh, Ikemeni Uwan is a public theologian who received her Master of Divinity degree in 2016 from Westminster Theological Seminary, otherwise known as WTS, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She is the co-host of Truth's Table podcast alongside Michelle Higgins and Dr. Christina Edmondson. During her time at WTS, Ikemeni won the 2015 Green Prize in Apologetics Award. In 2018, Christianity Today named her among 10 new or lesser known female theologians worth knowing. Her writings have been published in the Huffington Post Black Voices, Christianity Today, and The Witness, a Black Christian Collective, to name a few. Her insights have been quoted by CNN, The New York Times, The Washington Post, and The New Yorker, among other publications. As one who is passionate about sound theology, Ikemeni has a fierce commitment to biblical orthodoxy and its implications for issues pertaining to racial injustice, anti-Black racism, and white supremacy. Ikemeni believes that theology can and does speak to the culture, social, and political issues of our present day. As a result, she often speaks, opines, and writes about the aforementioned for various online publications. Ikemini's voice has been sampled on Lecrae's album, All Things Work Together, and I have been wondering whose voice that is, so that's just (laughs) awesome that I'm actually talking to her, and show Baraka's The Narrative. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. In her spare time, she enjoys discipling women, spending quality time with loved ones, and working out. As a self-proclaimed part-time fashionista, and those shoes that she that she uh, showed just a few days ago would attest to that. She has a <laughs> penchant for thrift shopping. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming public theologian, Ms. Ikemini Uwan. Welcome, sweetheart. Thank you, Chanel. I'm glad to be here on the show. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So let's just get started with, I guess, some more simple questions. Um, sure. You and I have talked before. I've never heard of a public <laughs> theologian. Um, so what is a public theologian? Yeah, uh, the way that I, well, at least the way I try to explain it is that um, a public theologian is somebody who is in conversation, you know, with society, with culture, um, mm. not, not necessarily talking to or talking at um, society and culture. So uh, as, a, as a public theologian, you know, my job is to, um, to engage with, uh, well, what I engage with is culture, theology, um, politics, and race. And I mm -hmm. filter them through a Christian theological uh, lens. And so because a lot of these questions and issues that we're grappling with are, um, are existential you know, in nature and we're wondering uh -huh. you know, what what you know what does god have to say about this people might not be saying that explicitly but it's like right why are you know, are people being um killed with impunity um by the police why are undocumented immigrants drowning in the rivers running for their lives you know running right so those are those are existential questions that um that require answers right and the job of a public theologian is to set that those questions, um, those concerns, those issues within a theological framework so that um, people who are not theologian propers, I, sh I should say, they don't study theology proper can, um, can grab it and run with it and understand it uh, mm -hmm. and, 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 and get a better idea and sense of how God is in and how God is in, you know, the very things that we're concerned about. I think that is so important because what I sense in this country is the question of why. Sure. You know? Yeah. And I know um, for me, a, a huge defining moment was when Ferguson, uh, the death of Mike Brown yeah. um, in Ferguson, Missouri took place. And I mm -hmm. must admit, I personally have not been the same spiritually mm. because mm. I'm just like, I don't know what it was about that moment, mm -hmm. but it just shook me to my core. Mm. Um, so are there other public theologians or just theologians who use racial injustice as part of their platform or is public theologian an actual title? Does that make sense? It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a title and a discipline. Yeah, so there okay. are other yeah, there are other public theologians. Some, some don't always identify that way, but yeah, there are a variety of them as well. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. so when did you realize you were called to speak against racism, especially as a Nigerian woman? Yeah. Um, you and I spoke before, uh, mm -hmm. just a little bit before um, this recording, and I told you that I personally have not met um, a Nigerian person, male or female, mm -hmm. um, who would address racism or white supremacy from a Black American perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's what drew me to you. And, and so I'm curious as to 
how did this journey start for you? Yeah, well, I think, um, well, for me, I grew up um, born and raised in California. Okay. And so I'm a first gen, some, some sociologists say I'm second gen, I guess, because my parents are citizens. So I don't, uh-huh. I'm a first or second gen. The point is okay. that I was born here in America, born in California specifically. Okay. Um, RIP, uh, my Golden State Warriors. We'll make it next year. No, but um, and so growing up, you know, in this country, I mean, the reality is that well, there's a there's a, a two prong you know approach to this. So there's there's the fact that my parents had always made the connection um, for mm. me as a Nigerian American. They always made the connection between us and Black Americans. They always said that they are that Black Americans are our cousins. Oh um, wow! That's because of slavery. Right. And I'm specifically an Abibio um, woman from the Abibio tribe, um, which is a minority tribe. Um, right. Which you're the Delta. So uh-huh. you know, our people definitely got snatched um, in the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, and so they always made that connection, you know, okay. for us. And so that was probably a big part of why um, uh, I, I advocate for racism the way that I do. Um, okay. Um, given my social location Uh, Uh but also the fact is that I'm a black woman who's grown up in a very racist country Uh, that's the facts about it Um, Uh grew up around white liberal racism and is very Uh versed in that and is very versed in conservative um, racism so I know both of them uh, well and so I mean it's just yeah I mean the reality is that racism and and, um, white supremacy all those um, factors that the um, systemic um, racism it, it impacts uh, Nigerian well black immigrants let me just say as on a whole the same uh-huh. way it impacts black Americans uh, and so there's no you know when the when the cops shot Alfred Alongo they didn't say well are you black American or are you you know specifically from Africa that's not what happened mm-hmm. they shot him dead you know when Matthew Ajibade got shot they didn't ask him oh are you Nigerian no he he was killed you know so right. the reality is that we all in this together you know so um and i, I just believe i i'm, I'm very much uh, I, I believe in the unity and the power mm-hmm. um, of um of black people africans however you want to identify us uniting um, uh-huh. across the board not to erase our distinctiveness you know there is diversity within blackness but i believe right. the power of uniting i think there's more power in unity and so which is pretty of a that's a pretty pan-african lens but that's definitely a category that i work from too okay well good which which takes me into my next question um you seem to be pretty um aware of you know what's what's going on with black people naturally and so the hebrew israelite movement or community seems to be taking off um if there's anything on social media regarding race or regarding especially with the exonerated five um having now been given on this amazing platform to share their truth share their story um, to be celebrated as these brave men who went through such a horrific um, experiences as children. Mm-hmm. And so you, you, you can't um, 
read about those types of stories without someone in the comments saying, well, the reason why we're going through this is because we're Israel, because we're the descendants of the children of Israel. And so what do you, what is your take on this particular movement? And I guess this is a two-part question. What is your take on the Hebrew Israelite movement? Some people wouldn't say it is, a, would say it's not a movement. And has the Lord shown you why us? Well, you know, I don't, you know, it's funny. I, um, I saw that question and I probably should have, I actually think Lisa Fields has done my, my friend, um, uh-huh. and colleague Lisa V Fields, who was the, um, CEO and founder of the Jew three project. Okay. Um, she has done extensive work on, um, it's an apologetics organization. So they, they do the defense of the gospel, right. Of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so she's done, there's a lot of articles and, um, podcasts that are dedicated to um the israel hebrew israelite um cult and so uh so i would so you do believe it is a cult yeah oh yeah i do believe it is a cult um and so she i would probably defer to her on that but i can talk about the the probably the reasons why at least one reason to me Uh uh-huh the apparent to me is just the um the whitewashing of the bible um, the reality mm. is that Western Christianity has been whitewashed. I mean, just a couple of right. weeks ago, I put up a post about, I said something about, uh, I should be able to quote myself, <laughs> but I said something to the effect of like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Christianity is an Eastern religion. Like, you know, yes. like, don't, let, don't let white yes. supremacy, fool, you know? Yes. Thank you for saying that. Right. Thank you. Right. Okay. I'm like, it's, it's not a, I'm like, what is happening here? Y'all? It's not been, Western been at all. Yes. At all. And we, we have always, I'm sorry, that, yep, that no just set me on fire. <laughs> because I remember growing up just hearing all the time, anything Eastern was considered mm-hmm. the devil. Anything. And mm-hmm. so, of course, I'm more awoke, you know, mm-hmm. or awake than since then. And I'm just like, well, how is that possible when Christ was, was born in the East? And, Hello, you know, right, right. so anyway, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> right. I'm like, what? The West wasn't even a factor then, you exactly. know, historically. So, yeah, so I, yeah, so I think it's, so it's interesting. I mean, we have to always re- remember that we are the outer parts of the world. Like, you know, it's yes. us. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. It's not them. Yes. Okay? And if yes. you go to the East, if you go anywhere, if you're, you're on the continent of Africa, if you're in the Middle East, you will see, like, like for me, the Bible really opened up for me. I was like, hmm. wow. Like, there's a, there's a lot of steps that we have to go through on the West to really understand not it's not impossible to you know but i'm saying to really understand the context of the bible we're so far removed from the context yes for us to just you know plop our little culture on top of the bible we have to be aware you know um um mindful you know of that and try to refrain from doing that so anyway i say all that to say that the bible has been and in the west it has been whitewashed because um Christianity has been married with white supremacy and capitalism. And so yes. when and American people come politics. to the text and yeah, exactly. And politics, all of that. Um, right. And so when people come to the Bible, particularly people of color, particularly black people, then specifically black men, um, mm. and you believe that, and you're told all your life that Jesus is white, that all that Sarah, Abraham, everybody's white. Like, you know, yes. uh, I mean, literally, Hagar, every, every character is white when they're actually not. You know, they're like, they're yes. actual Africans. Well, mm. at that time, they weren't technically African, right? They identified right. Your, your region. But the point yes. is, 
is that people have been sold um, 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 damaged goods, if you will, you know? Absolutely. And so, and so in a lot of ways, they've bought into that. And so that's the problem. That's why you, that's why you can't let white supremacy send you to hell now. So there's, there's those people that actually perpetuate white supremacy. But then those are, there are people that are harmed by white supremacy that causes them to push, to um, um, forsake the faith and forsake the church altogether because they have, um, how can I say, they have accepted um, a white supremacist um, framework or lens on the faith. And so part of my own mission or purpose, um, particularly as an anti-racist, is to disentangle Christianity from white supremacy. That's always my, my, that's always my goal. That's always my aim. That's always what I'm doing. When I'm speaking, when wow. I'm writing, teaching, mm-hmm. when I'm preaching, that's what I'm, that's what I'm called to do. Part of okay. it. Right. So what, if, if you could just give a few steps, maybe one or two steps that a Black person, um, say, for instance, someone like me, who was raised in the faith, raised Pentecostal, mm-hmm. at yeah. least knowing the basic tenets of Christianity, um, and has since learned that, hey, something's not right here. You know, mm-hmm. we, we say we worship the same God, we sing the same songs, mm-hmm. and in a lot mm-hmm. of cases, we even worship in the same building. But yet mm-hmm. when we leave those four walls, you know, mm-hmm. our human experiences are so vastly different. And yet our white so-called brothers and sisters in Christ can't seem to get that. Mm-hmm. Don't, e- don't even acknowledge it, aren't even aware of it in a lot of cases. So what are some steps um, that we can do to start to restore our faith, to, re- to go back to the to the faith in a sense? Yeah, well, I think it's a good question. Yeah, part of what I, I wrote a, a blog last year on my website, uh, systematictheology.com, S-I-S-T-A-M-A-T-I-C, theology.com, um, mm-hmm. entitled Colonized Discipleship. Ooh. And in there, I, um, in, in that in that essay, I actually talk about some ways like that we can begin to decolonize our faith, begin to actually see it for what it is in its context. Um, Part of what we could do is start to read um, people from the margins. So start like the Africa study Bible, like that actually exists, you know, that's Hmm. actually written by Africans, you know, and so you can get their commentary. uh, I'm sorry, maybe it might be the Africa's um, Bible study commentary. It might be a commentary. It's in my my essay. But okay, um, I didn't know okay. I didn't know that that was going to come up, so I will. Uh, <laughs> so I can give you the link, but sure. But yeah, so that that commentary you can listen to those, that commentary, making sure that we're reading widely, right, from people within the. I'm not saying that there aren't any um, that are that our brothers and sisters who believe themselves to be white don't have anything to contribute. I'm not saying that at all, actually. So when I say decolonize, I don't say throw out all their books from white right men and women. That's not what i mean by that right and so uh-huh. now you do want to disabuse yourself of any any books that um how can i say that uh that speak against your dignity and humanity yes that's where yes. you that's where you throw out stuff but if they're saying stuff that if they're talking right you keep it okay but then you mm. add you add to your library so you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna read asian theologians you're gonna read um um latino Lati- um latinx um theologians black 
theologians, black women theologians as well. Yes. So that you can begin mm-hmm. to learn and, you know, and just um, broaden your own scope. And then, and then particularly listening to the saints abroad, the global church, because mm-hmm. the reality is that American Christianity needs a revival to be quite honest. Yes. So we yes. need to be sitting at the feet of our brothers and sisters across the globe. It's time for us to sit down, shut up and learn from them. Truly. But, but you know what, what I have seen, um, is that a lot of the, at least in my experience, um, Nigeria in particular, I see a lot of the same stuff. You know, they're they're singing the songs here or there. You know what I'm saying? Of course, there's a a bigger cultural um, spin that they bring to it, but it's still us. Does that make sense? America, you know, just in Nigeria. So again, where do you even go or or to you know expose yourself to a more authentic christian experience yeah yeah well the reality is that um you know colonialism well white supremacy is a global project um and colonialism is real you know and so there is a way in which you know it is disheartening when you go to certain parts of Africa or, or I mean hey the the church is diverse okay so so one you know one one Stream of whatever denomination you want to call out. I don't want to call out any specifically, particularly Nigerian ones, but right. they <laughs> might be operating in a vein or mimicking, you know, maybe mm-hmm. some Western styles of worship, Western yes. styles of preaching, Western all that. Uh-huh. Then, then you probably don't want to go to them, but you might, right. go, you know, I mean, you might want to follow the work of the person that's writing that the um, of the theologian or the scholar that's written something in that Africa. Um, uh, um, Bible study commentary, you know, I'm like, oh, gotcha. okay, where are they worshiping? Where are they doing? Where, where's the, re- where can I learn more from them? Where, where are the rest, of, where's the rest of their work? Gotcha. Um, okay. So, you know, because words, there are people doing take some work. And some yeah, study. yeah, exactly. It's going to take mm-hmm. some work. It's going to take some study, but um, it's worth it, you know, in the end. And then also just listening to people that are able to um, recast the faith um, um, from a center, from a place that decenters whiteness. Um, just because it's so it's been so entrenched you know yes so and there's people that are doing that um here i mean we attempt to do that um when we try to do our best at doing that um in my own work in my own personal ministry but also at true steel we, we try to do that as well right okay mm-hmm. which goes into my next question oh, okay <laughs> this is flowing quite nicely okay so why do you think because this is a question that i try not to bombard my mind with but why do you think white people are so blind to racism white supremacy especially in the evangelical church um i don't think that they are blind i think they're willfully blind so you know um i don't Mm. i I just i don't accept that people are blind i think it's, it's an intentional um ignorance at this point is 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 intentional um especially with the in with the uh, influx of under at least the, under the Obama administration, seeing the the rise of Black Lives Matter. However you feel about it now, you know. Um, but mm-hmm. just seeing you know the the police brutality, the killings, mm-hmm. um, or lynchings, more is probably more accurate to say. Right, right. Um, seeing that on your screen, night in, night out. There is mm-hmm. no way people are not people are without excuse now. Social media on Facebook, everybody talking about it. On your Instagram, you seeing these traumatic videos, 
they are on your timeline. They're at your, your fingertips. There's no real excuse. Like, you know, now nobody can really feign mm-hmm. ignorance. You know, at this point, it's an intentional, well, willf- willful turning uh-huh. away, I would say. Okay. Well, you do have some who only, you know, especially conservatives, you know, that's the only lens that they tune into, right, even if right. they are exposed to, you know, like you said, the, the vicious killings and whatnot, it's still from a conservative lens, you know, through Fox news and, and other outlets. So right. how are they, how is that? I guess it would be still willful if they're choosing to only tune in from that perspective only. Yeah. So this is so well, yeah, it is exactly. It is willful in that way. And, but then also there's the reality of um, the fact that quite a few of them have imbibed um, an empire theology, right. That keeps them, that keeps them centered, get, keeps them comfortable uh, Mm. and, and assuages, right. uh, The white guild and assuages them and says, Oh, it's okay that you have this privilege. You don't need to do anything with it. Mm. You know, because empire of theology makes sure that the least remain the least. Right. Um, Mm. And then they have not never get a crumb. Um, And so that, that, that is, there's, we set up systems, right. To, to keep ourselves from having to be checked, from having to be accountable, from having to sacrifice, you know, and the reality is that that's just by sinful nature. None of us really want to have to give up benefits. Who wants to really give up and willfully give up benefits? Nobody really, (laughs) but it's a work of the spirit. You know, it's a work Mm. of the spirit that says, you know what? No, like I'm, I'm called to die to myself. I am called to lay down my life, you know, um, as Christ, you know, Christ did for the church. You know, I'm, I'm called to sacrifice. I'm called to esteem my brother and sister as higher than myself. Um, I'm right. supposed to seek their good. That's, that's what the Bible says. You know, it's counterintuitive. Um, wow. And so that's, that's, and so, so yeah, so we, but you know, sin is blinding and it's really deep um, within mm. us. Total, total depravity is real. Um, and so, and so we're in process. All of us are in process. I, I think it's a little too lazy to say, um, oh, well, they're not in the faith. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we, we all in process, but they need to be challenged. They need to be pushed, you know? Absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't know who's a goat and I don't know who's a sheep. Only God knows. Mm. <laughs> My job is to, to preach the word uh, and, and plant those seeds by God and, the, and pray that the Holy Spirit waters them and brings in. Right. So with with the state of, of Black America, you know, the state that we mm-hmm. are currently in, you know, poverty, crime, obesity, you know, just a number of, of isms and schisms just within our own community, which is there anything that we can do to perhaps be more or take more responsibility for where we are, you know? Say that, say that again. Can you run that back again? Okay, I guess my question is, is there anything that we as Black people can do now to take more responsibility for where we are in this country, the state and condition in which we're in? Well, you know, uh, I mean, I think that's something that we've, I I think by nature, we've always been about self-determinism, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and that's always been a principle, you know, that's been embedded within Black people since the very beginning, you know, right. uh, even when we were enslaved, mm-hmm. you had Nat Turner, like rebellion, uh, mm-hmm. rebelling, 
um, mm-hmm. trying to free himself and others. Um, mm-hmm. Although he was not, you know, able to did so unsuccessfully. He had Harriet Tubman, you know, also right. making mm-hmm. a way out of no way. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so I think that's always been a thread. And then you look at the women's, um, the club movement, the black women um, club movements within the church as well. You look at Mary Church Terrell. Mm-hmm. There's always been that that thread, and I think that's that's even happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that there's every, every community, every culture, you know, has um, ways that, of course, they can always improve or change some things or, you know, uh, that needs to be addressed. But I think it's an in-group, honestly, mm. an in-group conversation that uh-huh. needs to happen. Um, okay. And so it's not something I would, I would even address, like, on the podcast or even on True Stable either. Like, it, it's, okay. like it's a real in-group conversation I think we need to have. But I think we've always been, we've never been people to rest on our laurels we just couldn't i mean you know because white supremacy boot has always been on our neck so we could never really just chill right that's that's the problem like can we just live we can't even do that you know right Um, right i I think we've always been um pretty you know proactive and always had that that threat of self-determinism um within us um, but of course, you know, but, but of course, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying we're superior to anybody. We all got, we right. got our faults, we got our, 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 um, our strengths, you know, we got our weaknesses, but. Gotcha. But that's but yeah, an in-group is, thing. It's an in-group thing. And <laughs> also, you know what I'm saying? It really is a family discussion meeting thing mm-hmm. that we need to have annually. But I, I, yeah, but, but I also, cause I think that, 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 conversation can lend itself to be used by people Mm -hmm. with nefarious means to try to um, justify our oppression. Absolutely. We always want to be careful of that because it's just like, they're they're just not, there's a false equivalence that can be drawn and used, you know, to our disadvantage, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. So is racial reconciliation even possible? Do you even see that happening in this lifetime, in our lifetime, especially in the church? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is that racial reconciliation, I just, I, I, I mean, race is a construct. So, I mean, what are we really trying to reconcile? I mean, I'm not trying mm. to reconcile that. It, it, you know, um, not even trying to redeem it. You know, that's something, that, mm. you know, it's not going to be with us in glory. Praise God, because it's uh-huh. a, like a hierarchical category meant to subject people of color, particularly mm. black people, right? Um, okay. At the bottom of that, that totem pole or that, um, that hierarchy, if you will. Well, I guess... I guess when I mean it, I guess I mean like a, a healing um, between blacks and whites, right. just to break it down, a meeting of the minds, um, yes. a shared empathy, a sympathy, you know, a, a caring of one another's burdens. Do you really see that happening? Can that happen? Yeah. So um, I personally don't see that happening yet. I'm not, not in my lifetime. Doesn't mean it, it won't happen. Okay. Um, but I think on this side, we, we you know, we we're living between the tension of um, the new age, you know, and the present evil age, you know, and those mm-hmm. forces are at, at work within each other, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, against each other, you know, so white right. would represent the, the present evil age. The new age would be um, those who are fighting for peace and unity between the ethnicities is what I would say. Mm-hmm. We retain, right. You know, um, but that, that tension, I think will always be here until Jesus returns, you know, but we still fight and we still fight um in and hope. educate and, and inform exactly and because gotcha. we have to because there, there are small wins that will happen i mean we're not where we where our ancestors were i mean let's be clear that's true that um, but, you know we didn't think uh-huh. we'd see a black president we did see that right uh, the conversations about reparations are happening 
didn't uh-huh. really think that would ever happen. You know, right. so, you know, so there are things that are happening. So we don't want to act as if there's nothing, you know. Right. So do you, but, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But I think <laughs> uh, truth is required, you know, truth is required. And until um, mm. uh, people, particularly those in power, those, the people that are oppressing um, us are willing to face that truth, uh, then we'll continue to, uh, their strife will continue to remain because, you know, you got to, truth precedes reconciliation every time. I agree. And, you know, there's so much talk about, you know, let love win or love, love, love. And, you know, and I'm, and I can't help but to think over and over again, but you can't have, excuse me, true love without truth. Right. You, it's just right. impossible, you know, yeah. but that takes away. And do you really the, love somebody if you're not telling them the truth? Exactly. Because the Bible oh, talks good. about how an enemy multiplies kisses, you know. Mm, um, absolutely. You know, but, but, but friends from a wound can be trusted. Mm, that's awesome. So do you have any white friends? Oh, yeah, most definitely. Definitely. Okay. Have yes. Okay. I don't, no, I don't, let uh, me say for a I don't hate white people. Okay. No, no. I know you don't. I no, know not you. Don't. No, I'm talking about okay. people out there, not you. I'm gotcha. Talking- <laughs> okay. Yeah, for the I'm listening like, audience. Right. Exactly. For the listening because, audience. Yes, I do. I, I think do. that's a, different. Okay. Because I think that's a whole nother, you know, because while all of us do have a shared sorrow, so to speak, or shared um, you know, pain and yes. whatnot, we're, we're still not monolithic, right? So you have some of us who um, have platforms where we speak against, you know, white supremacy and racism and have, you know, white friends or even have white family members or even have white spouses, yes. you know? And so I think a lot of times um, there are people out there who think, well, if you talk the way, you know, if you stand for the things you say yep. you stand for, it can mean then you can only have white friends, you can never marry somebody white, you can never have biracial children, you know, and so what do you think about that, or yeah, do you well, have anything to say? <laughs> yeah, 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 well, I think white people are not the enemy, per se, I mean, okay. we have, Christians, our framework is that we understand that there's powers and principalities in work, in, within systems, above systems, however you want to frame it, so it's not mm. just systems, you know, that, but these powers and principalities manifest themselves in these systems, in these institutions. Um, I love that. In I people, love but that. So, that, so the enemy is not white people per se, it's, it's, it is the um, power and principality of whiteness, Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, um, and partiality and all of those, you know, the um, bigotry and all those, you know, right. all of those terrible right. things, you know, that, that Absolutely. animate that action that, that manifests, you know, in systemic injustice that looks like redlining, that looks like gerrymandering, that looks like voter suppression, that looks like police brutality and all this and the like the the list could go on and on so it's not it's not about it's not really flesh and blood per se it is really a power and principality but you gotta deal with the reality of the fact that yeah (laughs) there are real people in power there's a real person in the um, over office that's oppressing people right that has to be dealt with there is a real thing you know real people are dying um on the border detention centers the real people are dying you know so it's it's, it's both and it is spiritual you know Mm -hmm. but it's material you know as well and so yeah it's not about you know white 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 you know not liking or not like 
white people gotcha. marrying or not white marrying white man. Although, uh, for the record, I, my desire is to be with a black man because I believe in the power <laughs> and the strength of black love. I, I believe it's a revolutionary act in a white supremacist right. society that says we can't love each other. And that gotcha. in a society that has worked systematically to break up the black family. Yes, so I think it's absolutely. very important that um, black love is very important for a host of reasons. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I guess on a lighter note, what has been your most rewarding moment in your work? Mm-hmm. You know what? Honestly, my most, re- so far, my most rewarding moment, honestly, is Truth Table. It's um, a ministry that really gives me a lot of joy. Um, mm. I pour out a lot. Yes. Um, all yes. three of us do pour out a lot, but um, it's so refreshing, invigorating, life-giving. Um, and I just find and get a lot of joy from, um, doing that ministry, knowing that I'm ministering to other black women in that way. And I know it's not just black women, black men, listen, you know, people from different racial demographics and gender, um, listen, but that is really life giving, um, for me and brings me a lot of joy. And so I really love sitting at the table, um, with my sisters and just, yeah, and doing that. So that's been, that's been a blessing. Right. As a woman, you know, as a human being with it, because this is heavy stuff. This is oh, heavy yeah. stuff. Yeah. So how do you keep it from depressing you? Like, what do you, are yeah, there some things yeah. you do for self-care or yeah. to keep your joy quotient up, so to speak? Yeah, come you on. Know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a real question. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, anti-racism work is no joke. I mean, it's, it's not. you got to be called to it. It is not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So what I do is um, the gym is self-care for me. This is not mm-hmm. the only thing. I got a couple of self-care things. That's one. Right. Okay. Gym, so I'm there Monday through Friday, just like take out two hours of my day and go to the gym. That's huge for me. Really mm-hmm. good for my joy, um, mental health, get those endorphins going, just yes. being able to just focus um, and just be at the gym, working out, taking care of myself, you know, communing with God and just, you know, working out. Um, prayer, of course, um, reading right. the word, that, that for me, non-negotiable. I mm-hmm. have to do that or mm-hmm. else, oh goodness, I'll be a right. right. So making sure I spend time with the Lord, um, another um, daily. Uh, and then also uh, just, you know, hanging out with friends, to, you know, be, and family. That's really mm-hmm. important too. Um, mm-hmm. Monitoring and limiting, lim- limiting the amount of um, news that I take in as well yes. because it's yes. just it's wild out there and so i'm like yes, you know it what? it's not mm-hmm. gonna help me to know all this or i don't need to know all this today i can maybe look at it tomorrow yes you know, or over the weekend or you know or because somehow the, the important news it comes to you whether you like it or not right it comes to you so mm-hmm. i try to filter because i'm actually a, a typically a news junkie but, but but ever since um the the election i've had to change my my um my intake of the news so that helps because that that will suck joy um but Mm. i also try not to fall into apathy or or my own privilege of looking away right and so i'm just like so i'm 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 also trying to stay engaged and in tune but not to the not to the detriment of my soul and my okay okay so finding that balance Mm -hmm. yep okay so what last question what are some for someone who feels that they may be called to anti-racism work. What are some things, um, like if you could say, well, if, if you're this, 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 and this, then it's possible that you're called to this work. Like what are some things that were in you 
that caused you to just kind of say, you know, I think I'm called to this as opposed to just having some inner, um, some personal opinions about this topic. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, well, I, I know say- it's an individual thing, but if there's some like general characteristics that someone could say, you know, Hey, I, I might be called to this, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I was like, Ooh, I felt like the Lord's calling me to anti-racism as much as it was just more so, um, I just cannot abide injustice. I have a really hard, like, I just can't abide it. Yeah. Um, mm. But racism has always been something that's like, oh my God, because it's something that's impacted me. You know, so right. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is terrible. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not biblical. So I think um, you have to be somebody that, uh, so I would say you, so it, to me, it's a prophetic calling, you know? So, I mean, I know that I have a prophetic calling. And so I have mm. to speak truth no matter what, no matter where I'm at, left or right. Or whatever so so and i can't be afraid of people's faces like you know so mm. i have to be able to say what god's calling me to say and dust my sandals off and move on to the next village if it's rejected mm. oh well that's what that's what and i gotta say it in truth i gotta say it in love that's on me to do that well and to do to do that right you know in a way that's honorable um because you know truth can really be um a hammer if it's not you know wielded right but sometimes Absolutely. even in you know absolutely like that you know but mm-hmm. but yeah i think you you can't be afraid of people's opinions so you got to fear god more than you fear man mm. you, do this, you know because you're not gonna you know people are not gonna be knocking down your door um for you to come tell them that you're, you're racist you you know there's that um two you have to really trust um god you know in it uh because because it's not a you know, it's not a ministry that people flock to. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. or even if people do flock to it, maybe to seem cool, you won't stay long. Like mm-hmm. you gotta be called to it, you know, um, because gotcha. it truly is feast or famine out here. I mean, like, you know, mm-hmm. like sometimes you get called, sometimes you don't, you mm-hmm. know, um, because you are an acquired, I am an acquired taste, you know, it just depends on what you're calling me to do or to ask, you know, ask me to do. Um, And so you have to really trust and know like, I don't know, this is what God called me to. So I'm going to trust. And I know that he'll come through. He's going to provide, you know, for me. So you have to have a really a great amount of faith and trust in God Mm -hmm. uh, so that you're not fearful of what people think about you. You're not fearful of what they might do to you. Mm. Um, And I think you got to be ready to die if you have to do that. Um, Because, uh, because it is, it's dangerous work. It is. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you so very much for your time and just for, just for you. Um, I applaud the work that you're doing because like you said, it's not easy. It is dangerous. And I admire people period. Um, who have the courage and, to, and the bravery to be our modern day Harriet Tubman's and Sojourner Truths and Martin Luther King's and Malcolm X's and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. because the mm-hmm. work is needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it's very, 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 very beyond being needed in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is one episode that I personally am going to go back and listen to um, because there are some steps that I need to take to kind of, get me out of this questioning mode uh, or straddling the fence, so to speak, um, mm. from being in the faith or not being in the faith. So 
thank you so much for oh, your yeah. time. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and I would also say the other self-care thing of just being able to do this is that you need accountability, you know? So for me, mm. um, being in a church is king. I, I can't not be in a church, you know, like this work mm-hmm. is for the, is for the church. It's for the saints. But are um, you in a church that speaks the truth though? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter because this is my, my calling is not contingent upon whether my church does or doesn't. Now my pastor does actually happens to actually speak the truth, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter regardless. You know, I didn't grow up the churches that I've been in. Some did, you know, speak the truth, you know, um, to power. Some didn't, you know, but the call is not revoked, you know, regardless of where I'm where, wherever I'm at, you know, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. doing, doing that in community is really important as well. Having that accountability is important. You know, we need, we really do need each other to survive, you know, and in America, mm. we got, we got lots of options, you know, that I know there's a lot true. of, there, there ain't a lot of great churches, but we got lots of options, you know, that is so true Actually, compared to our brothers and sisters overseas. We have a lot of options. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So we have to be diligent about, you know, finding that place. So yeah, that's a huge part of my, my self care and my, my, my commitment to my ministry of being committed to the local church as well. Ouch. okay it's important it's important (laughs) well on that note i want to thank everyone for tuning in um i really hope you learned something um i will be sure to get the links and resources um that ikamini sorry uh, mentioned and um until next time thanks again for tuning in have a great day